Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited that you would join us today and hope you're encouraged by the message you hear. If you'd like to know more, visit our website, highway.com.au. Good to be with you today, always good to be with you. Just a few days out from Christmas, how did we get here? How did we get here? I don't know. I'm still stuck back two years ago, I think, but somehow... Christmas 2021, ready or not, is days away, and uh, we will celebrate that here. Uh, What day is Christmas Day? Saturday, right? We'll be here Saturday at 9am. But today, I want to talk to you about Love Matters, and uh, we've touched on, as Greg mentioned, over the last few weeks, we've touched on peace, and we've touched on joy, but I don't think you can... Talk about your own salvation without recognising the great love of the Father. You know, I am still to this day, all these decades later, still overwhelmed that God loved us so much that somehow in amongst the chaotic patterns of our own lives way back then, that somehow He orchestrated by His grace, by His love, to bring people to us that told us about the love of God and how God loved us so much that he made a pathway for us to be introduced to the love of the Father. I am still staggered by that. And this is why your prayers are so incredibly uh, powerful. If you think your prayers aren't accomplishing anything, they are. And God has a way of moving. And we don't always see right up front. We don't always see quickly But trust me, when you pray, God hears and God acts and God moves. And so we are the partnership on earth as we pray. And I want to encourage you, step up your prayers for those that don't know the Lord. Step up your prayers for the prodigal sons and daughters. Step up your prayers for the body of Christ. And step up your prayers for the will of God in your life and for God to, you know, uh, open up whatever he needs opened up and shut down whatever he needs shut down. Your prayers as the church really, really matter. And so, you know, today we're going to talk about love matters. And uh, I was saw a picture the other day on the internet. And as I was browsing through looking for something else, and I saw this desert plain. Not sure exactly where it was, but right in the middle of this desert was this clump of trees. And these trees were doing well. They had this beautiful green green leaves on it, and these trees were flourishing, but the setting was a desert, nothing but sand and heat and and all the rest of it. And what struck me was, why, why are these trees, why are they a standout? Why are they flourishing? And I learned, as I did a quick little look, that there's this underground source of water that somehow provides uh, water for these trees to flourish. And of course, that got me thinking about us the church, the people of God, that despite the conditions that we can continue to thrive and to grow and expand and take ground and take territory and overcome and do all the things that the church was meant to be doing. And it's because we can flourish in all conditions because there is but one source. There is one source. We have, if you like, a, a it's not an underground, but we have an inner flow of Uh, resource that we draw upon, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today. And so in these strange, unusual, unprecedented times that we all find ourselves living in, 
I believe that the church can still grow. I believe it still can rise. It can still flourish. It can expand. It can do what God called us to do. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that out of the Gospel of John today, verses 1 through to 9. And you'll be aware of this scripture. It's a well-known scripture. It talks about it's not a lesson in gardening or horticulture or any of those things, but even though it sounds like it, but read with me if you would. Gospel of John, chapter 15, 1 through to 9. It says that I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. And while every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes so that it will bear even more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches, and if a man remains in me and I in him, then he will bear fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. So this scripture to me, as I read it, it sounds somewhat repetitious, but I'm not sure how you learn, but for me, I need repetition. I need to hear things over and over and over. I need to read it over, hear it over, talk it over, pray it over. I need repetition, otherwise it's gone in and within minutes, it's sort of gone. I guarantee by the end of this sermon today, you'll already be uh, lost a huge chunk of what we're saying. And no doubt by lunch, if someone says, what was Anne talking about in church? I'm not sure, but it was something to do with fruit. It was something to do with a tree. It was something to do with something, but I can't remember the rest of it. So no wonder God sometimes repeats himself in scripture. It's because we need to get this. And we really need to get this one. So we need the, the repetition of Scripture sometimes. Let's talk first about this true vine because the chapter begins with that. It begins with, I am the true vine. And again, we find in this Scripture that God is speaking to us through these agricultural terms. And yet there's a spiritual lesson in it. And quite often Jesus spoke in parables from an agricultural context, like the parable of the sower, for example, because they understood that they were farmers, they were people of the land. And yet today in this century, as we read it, it still has an enormous amount of uh, context and truth in it, even though we're looking at it through these eyes today. But Jesus calls himself the true vine. That would suggest to me that there are many vines, if Jesus says, I'm the true vine, that would suggest to me that there's many vines and any and many vine can bear fruit. But the fruit that Jesus recognizes is the one that comes from the true vine. And so I want to talk to you today about healthy lives, healthy gardens, healthy plants, however you want to word it, and how it has such a strong connection with love an enormous amount of connection with love because 
You know, in a natural sense, if you ask me about plants, it's so funny. You know, we've been talking about what sort of plants to be put in with it. And they gave us all of the, uh, the scientific names. I mean, I haven't got a clue. I know geraniums. I know roses. I know, well, that's it really, geraniums and roses. But when they give you all those botanical names, scientific names, you've lost me right from the first word. But here it talks about how, not that he's talking to us about what kind of plant, in a sense, but he's talking about all the way through Scripture and the plan of God is this, that that which I gave you at the start, I'm looking for a return. I'm looking for an investment. I'm looking for an enlargement. I'm looking for an increase from what I originally put in your hand. And I want to see what I gave you at the start. It has grown. It has enlarged. There's got to be a return from the original thing that God gave us. So Jesus here, number one, and this is really important. And if I sound repetitious today, there's for very good reason. Jesus said, I am the true vine. The second thing he tells us is that there's a gardener. And the Father himself is that gardener. The gardener looks after the health and the well-being of the garden. And when he sees a branch that bears no fruit at all, then it's cut off and it's thrown into the fire. But he says the branch that has been bearing fruit, he said the gardener, the, the one that comes in is the one, the gardener is going to prune that branch. And when you look at that, you see that all of this thing around gardens and plants and healthy plants and what's been given is it's got God's attention somehow because if you go back to Genesis, it all began in the garden, right? It began in the garden. They had everything. They had vegetation. They had man. They had woman. They had the presence of God. They had the breath of God. They had the life of God. And there was an enemy in the garden as well. Well, not a lot has changed. There is still an enemy that roams around seeking whom he may devour and he looks to upset the health and the balance and the well-being and the future and the direction and the destiny of the garden. Pruning comes. Gardens will go through, lives will go through pruning seasons. And if ever you have pruned a plant, it doesn't look its best. You know, it's a stalk. I've seen roses, not that I have had personal experience with this, but I've seen others that prune rose bushes, right? They are not looking their best. There's no pretty flowers on it. It is just kind of a stalk with a few little twigs flowing out from it. And the reason for that pruning is because the time will come when eventually those flowers will come back on that, on that, uh, on that bush. If ever you've had a bad, bad haircut and you walk out, it doesn't matter more so for the girls. Probably the guys don't even care, but... Us girls look in the mirror 20 times, curl it, straighten it, hairspray it, tie it back, do what, put a hat on. It doesn't matter what you do it. A bad haircut is a bad haircut. But give that thing three or four weeks and you think, it's not looking bad. It's not too bad. It's a bit like that with pruning. We go through these pruning seasons and we're not at our best look. It looks like what is going on. But the gardener prunes because he knows that he can trust you with the more fruit that is coming. 
And I believe there is more fruit that's coming. I believe there's more fruit coming into the church. I believe there's more fruit. Some of you have been called in an entrepreneurial way. Some of you, God has entrusted you with the ability, giving you wealth to create finance for the body of Christ and for the kingdom of God to expand. I believe there is more fruit coming. God has entrusted some of you with intercessory prayer. There is more fruit coming. God has given to you wisdom so that you can move into the days ahead under the call and the direction of the Holy Spirit. And if you've gone through a pruning time and you feel like you've not been at your best, you haven't looked and sounded your best, it's okay. Pruning seasons come, pruning seasons go, and there is much more fruit that is coming because God trusts you with the fruit. Pruning feels like bare bones, and there's a reason for it. Pruning is not about judgment. Pruning is not about the gardener being hard on us. Pruning is for the purpose of fruit, and you'll see here that the gardener is looking for fruit. He wants a return, an investment upon the seed that was originally sown. And so these stories around agriculture, plants and whatever today, I believe are there for our benefit because we can see ourselves in the story. I can recognize my pruning seasons. I think we've been through one, probably at the tail end of one. You know, I, I, but I like the harvest seasons too, where it feels like you're just rolling with the waves. There's very little effort. It's just like the wave is carrying you. But you've got to remind yourself that wave comes in and the wave goes out. It comes in and it goes out. But if you remain close to the true vine or in the true vine, you see the thing around these things that I'm talking about today is that healthy plants can withstand the different seasons. They can withstand the frost, the wind, the rains, the droughts, the times have changed, the pruning and the harvest. I had a, I owned three plants. I did have five. That shows how good I am at looking after these things. I had five, I'm down to three. But I watched one of those that died, all these insects come in and began to crawl up and down the, the plant and into the leaves and into the soil and I watched things, this plant start to wither, start to die, and eventually I had to throw it in the bin. But you know you've got to watch that around your own life. You've got to watch that around, around your own life, that the insects, the things that come to devour your peace and come to eat away at your joy and come to take away your focus and come to take away that sense of faith and future in you, that, that you know, I was just thinking before I came up here and I, I felt to pray and I forgot about it, but I pray and I say this now, may the joy of our salvation be restored. May the joy of our salvation be restored. Do you know what? When we got born again over 40 years ago, we had such a, a love for the Father, such a love for Jesus. We drove big distances to come to church. It didn't matter whether there was one meeting on that day or three. 
We drove big distances. It was not arduous to pray. It wasn't hard to worship. It wasn't hard to give our tithe or our offering. It wasn't hard to serve people. Why? Because the joy of the Lord was in us. The love of the Father was in us. And I pray over each and every one of you and those at home today that the joy of your salvation will be restored in Jesus' name. Don't let the insects that come to devour the health of your life continue to devour. Stand up and take your place. Don't lose your sense of faith that we have just called upon the name of Jesus Christ here. Trusting in that name, knowing that name, the mighty powerful name of Jesus. Whatever insects have come in and tried to pull you away or distract you or devour you. I was thinking the other day about that story about Pilgrim's Progress. You know, the pilgrim that's on this pilgrimage throughout life and he ends up in the sloth of despond and he ends up in other places. Don't you go to the sloth of despond. Stay on the path and reach your destination all for the glory of God. Deal with the insects, deal with the bugs, deal with whatever you have to deal with in order to keep walking that straight path with Jesus. Is the path narrow? You bet it's narrow. Is it hard at times? At times it's it's absolutely impossible, but it's not impossible if you stay connected and in the true vine, remain in the source. The droughts, the rains, the winds, the prunings, the harvest, and we can overcome what we are facing. The other part of this scripture talks about branches. Now, I don't know whether you've ever thought of yourself as a branch, but you are. You're a branch. I'm a branch, which uh, is kind of interesting. But when when the scripture here talks about the true vine that we know now as Jesus, the gardener, the father is the gardener. And you, the church, the people of God, are the branches. Branches carry life. They carry water. They carry water from the soil and it feeds the leaves and keeps the tree nourished. Remember the Old Testament. You know, when you read Old Testament, I personally love Old Testament. Some people don't go there, but I like it. And there's a lot of mention about ites, I-T-E-S. You know, there's the Jebusites, the Amalekites, the Canaanites, all the other ites that came in to try to dissuade, they were an opposing voice from, you know, what God had spoken. You know, God had spoken this, that I want to get you there, that there is a promised land, that there are things in the way, there are things to overcome, there's giants in the land and all the rest of it. But there is a promise, there is a future and there is a destiny. And then the ites moved in to try to pull God's people away from what God said. Not a lot has changed from the Garden of Eden. Did God really say? There's an ite right there. It was never overcome in the garden and Jesus came to overcome that which the enemy did in the garden. And now you and I in the church in the 21st century, we got to stand, we got to take authority over the ites. You've got to take authority over those things in our days that will cause distractions and fears. And to take you off course, you want to remain strong and courageous and healthy in this time. Whether it be an attitude, is that an ite? Whether it be a wrong perspective, is that an ite? Is there something you've closed down in your life, that is an ite? You know, whatever that ite is to you, deal with it because it's like an insect coming in to devour that healthy bush. What does all this have to do with love? Absolutely everything. 
Let me read it to you. In verse 7 of that same chapter, he says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. So this passage is now talking about his words remaining in us. If his words remain in us, he talks about our lives bearing much fruit. So therefore, if there's no word, there's no fruit. This word remaining is powerful. Healthy lives remain and will eventually bear more fruit. The greatest health position, I'm talking about spiritual health, you, you take it whichever way God speaks to you, but the greatest healthy position you can be in is when his word has found a place to dwell richly within you. Richly within you. I've been reading, I've been going to the book of Proverbs for wisdom. And I've been asking and seeking God for wisdom it's amazing when you go through Proverbs, it touches every aspect of your life. Every aspect of your life. Do you know that even wisdom, it says, if you live with wisdom, it can nourish your bones? It can nourish your bones? Well, if you've got a bone that is screaming at you right now, maybe you need the wisdom of God to know what to do about that. I mean, I won't take you down that road because it'll send us off somewhere else, but you know, there is favor upon remaining. There is growth in the remaining. There is power in the remaining. There is an ability to weather the storms of life, to overcome the different seasons and stages in life in the remaining. There is blessing upon you remaining. You will find a fresh place of grace in the remaining. You will find a renewed strength with victory in your hand in the remaining. I've spoken to you before about the life of Esther, who had an opportunity to run from her assignment. Despite her youth, her insecurities and her fears, her uncertainties, she was a young woman where victory happened and that Haman spirit was overcome and the tables were turned on the enemy and God gave a great victory. But it was all about the partnership between a young girl, her God, who did what she had to do and she became part of the solution instead of part of the problem. And can I encourage you, church, in this day, in this hour that we live in, can our voice please be part of the solution and not part of the problem? Can our voice please be a part of unity and not division? Can our voice please be a solution voice and one of wisdom and not one of ridiculousness? Can we be part of the solution and not part of the problem in this world that we live in? What remains is in the true vine and we are the branches that need to carry life, hope and a message of love to a world that is not yet in the source, that true vine, but we are. And there is some we just need. You know, the other day I was praying and I handled something very badly, really badly. And I went to the Lord and I asked for his forgiveness. And I said, God, I'm so sorry. I know better than this. I know better than this. You've taught me better than this. And I had to go back to the Lord and say, God, 
I know better than this, and therefore, because I'm in the source, I will put that right, deal with that right. See, when you're walking in God, you keep going back to the source. So what we've covered so far, again, you might say, what has this got to do with love? 100% everything. Because it's all for the Father's glory. It's all for growth, health, success, fruitfulness, and all the rest of it. But you know, one of the things that God has been speaking to me strongly about, probably for about two months, is what kind of return am I getting with what I have sown in you? Now, that is a big deal. That is a big deal. Because if we had time to go into the parable of the talents, one hit it, the other one did something with it, and the other one, but... You know, that's another sermon, perhaps another day. But God has been speaking to me about what will my investment look like based upon what I gave you over 40 years ago. And I've gone back to the source for that one thing. God, how do you want that investment to look? And it takes you coming back to the source, bearing much fruit for his glory, not ours, but his And so I round this off and team and whoever's coming back up, that'd be great. It says that as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now love one another as I have loved you. My command is that you love one another and obedience to his word and obedience to the love of the Father gives you and I the best life we could ever live. And it bears and continues to bear much fruit. So to summarize all this today as we almost, almost close off 2021. Healthy lives know their source. And if you've been away from the source, the true vine, and you've been separated from the source, it takes one word from you to come back. Just one. One prayer. God... I come back to you. Secondly, healthy lives don't like the pruning process, but will allow the pruning process. You got to go through it. Talking to my little granddaughter yesterday, we're on a bear hunt, right? You can't go over it, you can't go under it, but you got to go through it apparently. What a beautiful day. We're going on a bear hunt. And she kept seeing bears yesterday because we've been reading her the story. Well, you know what? That pruning process in your life, if you remain in the source, Jesus Christ is King. You can't go over it. You can't go under it. You've got to go through the process of pruning because God is preparing you for greater times, greater days, more fruit, more fruit, more fruit. He's the God of the abundance. He's the God of the overflow. He is the God of the immeasurably more. And if you say, I want to be a branch that carries more fruit, then be faithful in the little so He can entrust you with much. Healthy lives know where they are planted and why they are planted. They know where they will flourish and where they will produce their best. Healthy lives know how to stand the test of time and not cave and not quit and not run and not buckle. They'll stand in the source. Healthy lives know how to feed themselves. Whether church is on or not, I'll keep feeding myself because I know the source. 
Healthy lives know how to feed and nourish others. We're the branch. Healthy lives know their identity. An apple is not trying to be anything else other than an apple. And church, can we just be the church? Can we just be the church and continue to behave like the church upon planet Earth right now to give the Father all the glory? Healthy lives, no matter what the personal seasons of their own lives are, are filled with hope, filled with faith, filled with expectation, grace and forgiveness. But the greatest of all is love. You can spend 10 hours of your day in a prayer closet, interceding, praying in the Spirit. But if you don't know how to love one another, we haven't got much. We haven't got anything. We're just a noise. We're just a noise. Healthy lives can weather droughts and rains, changing times and seasons. But their source has never changed. He is the same one yesterday, today and forever. The source has never changed. Healthy lives are not just show. They look good on the outside, but they're nothing on the inside. Healthy lives They have their roots go down deep and their fruit is lasting and their fruit is eternal. And healthy lives have but one agenda, one agenda, and that is to glorify the Father. You know, the older I get, this becomes more serious. One agenda, and that is to glorify the Father. Today, as I close this off, I heard of, A man who was, he was about to go to heaven. He was an old time preacher. And uh, he was talking to those ones that were coming up behind him. And I think anyone's parting words are profound and important and should always be listened to. I personally love old time preachers and the reason being this, they've done it. They've done it. They lasted. They outlasted the enemy. They've outlasted the things that came against them. They've outlasted the situations that could have taken them out and it didn't. They outlasted the enemy. They outlasted the changes. And this old time preacher was about to go to heaven. And he had but one word for those coming up behind him. And this was his word. He said, abide in Christ. Stay abiding in Christ. And I thought about that and I I chewed that over for a while and I thought, that's it right there. No matter what your life, your family, your home, your health, your whatever looks like, whatever your life is like today, if you will abide in Him and let His words abide in you, God will see you through. You can ask whatever you want when we're abiding in Him. And He says, I can bring that to pass. Abide in Him. He is the true vine. He is the source. And because He loved us first, then we are to love one another. Amen. We can do that. We can move into this new year with the love of the Father. Be kind to one another. Be good to one another. But above all else, let it all be for the Father's glory. Father, I pray for your church today. I lift up every man, woman and child. And for those that are at home, those that are on holidays today, 
Father, I lift them up before you and I pray that Highway Church and all that enter these doors will be people that know how to abide in you and to continue to flourish in every season of life in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to get in contact with us or find out more about Highway Church, go to highway.com.au.